This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is former Jaguars tight end George Reister and you're listening to The Jake Brown Show. And welcome to The Jake Brown Show right here on Radio.com, iTunes, and Spotify is where you find us. You can follow me on Twitter at Jake Brown Radio and you can follow our show at Jake Brown Show on all social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, all of that jazz. A lot to get into today on the program. AFC and NFC Championship are here on Sunday. First game at 3 o'clock. The Jaguars, they did it, are headed to New England, headed to Foxborough to take on the Patriots. That game is at 3 and then 640. The Vikings... Yes, we will get into it, are taking on the Eagles in Philly. And my God, the Vikings with the most miraculous finish you may ever see. One of the great finishes, maybe in the history of sports, with how that game turned out and how stunning it was. So we'll preview both of those AFC and NFC championships. We'll talk about the week that was in football, talk about a little baseball, some head coaching stuff, some other coaches uh, and we'll give out my movie of the week, as we call it, or we'll call it Flick It a Week. Instead of Flick It a Wrist, it'll be Flick It a Week. Uh, and what movie I saw this week that you should see. Because now I've been going to movies so much with this $7 a month movie pass. Uh, they're making all the damn money for me off popcorn, candy, and soda. Uh, but for unlimited movies for $7 a month, I've been going by myself to the movies at this point. And I don't even care. Judge me. I've been seeing movies left and right. Um, so we'll talk about that. George Reiser joins us later, the former Jaguar tight end who lost twice to the Patriots in the playoffs in Foxborough. So he knows a thing or two, literally two things, about losing to the Patriots on the road in the playoffs with the Jaguars because he was there when it went down, and now the inevitable's coming again. The inevitable is on the way, folks. Patriots. Jaguars. A lot of people are on the Jaguars hype train. But here's the problem. In terms of what the NFL wants now, here's the possible matchups we have for the Super Bowl in Minnesota on the eve of my birthday, on February 4th. The Super Bowl possibilities, Patriots, Eagles, Brady versus Foles. Not a terrible matchup, not the worst of the four, but one that the Patriots would be heavily favored, even against a decent Eagles defense. Nick Foles isn't appetizing anyone, the other matchups. Patriots versus Vikings. In my mind, the clear-cut best matchup of the four that the NFL would want and I think a, a casual fan would want. You get Brady versus Keenum. You get the Vikings' home angle of it, the only team in NFL history to have a home game for the Super Bowl. That's a story in itself. And you have that dominant, maybe the best defense in the league with the Jaguars, the Vikings' defense going up against Brady and how much of a final chapter it would be for Brady if he wins his sixth Super Bowl and he does it in what is technically going to be a road game against the Vikings and all their fans that are going to be there. You have that story. The other game, the other two matchups include the Jaguars, so they're both bad. I'm sorry I'm hating the Jaguars, but Blake Bortles in the Super Bowl is just scary. The other two matchups, Jaguars-Eagles, which is clearly the worst of the four matchups, uh, I know George Reiser will make his pick later, so tune in for that. But he picked the worst matchup. Uh, Bortles versus Foles would just be disaster. You don't have the home team. It's tremendous for Eagles as they go for their first Super Bowl and the same for the Jaguars. But in terms of a casual fan, that would be the Justin Timberlake Bowl. So it would be the Jaguars-Eagles. Jaguars-Vikings, another bad matchup. But again, you still have the Vikings home game angle to it. So that in itself is an interesting storyline. 
so that is not the best matchup, but it's not the worst. So in order of worst to best, fourth, Jaguars-Eagles, definitely the worst. Third, I'd say third would be Jaguars-Vikings, just because you're getting Bortles still in the Super Bowl. Um, and then second, I think the Patriots are in the top two just because of Brady. Two is Brady-Foles, Patriots-Eagles, and the number one match ma- best matchup, hands down, is Patriots-Vikings. You get a lot of storylines there. But how did the Vikings get here? Oh, man. A touchdown to end the game, Case Keenum and Stephon Diggs. And the Saints had this game locked up. Ten seconds left. No timeouts. The Vikings need a pass and get out of bounds to set up a field goal and try to win it. Or they got to go to the length of the field to Hail Mary and get a touchdown. All the Saints need to do is when Stefan Diggs catches that ball, tackle him and make sure he doesn't get out of bounds. And it was close to that point where even if he did get out of bounds, there might have not been enough time left or it would have been a very deep field goal. Instead, Diggs catches it, and the Saints secondary makes one of the most mind-boggling mistakes you will ever see on defense that cost them the game. I mean, missing that tackle is just mind-blowing. And if I'm not mistaken, was it Marshawn Lattimore who missed it? The the Saints defensive rookie of the year. Uh, excuse me, it was Marcus Williams. Uh, he's been getting support since he missed the tackle. He went for the guys, and he came from behind for no reason. All he had to do was stay back and tackle him in bounds. Even if you tackle him out of bounds, you're still in a potential position to win this football game. He did the one thing you could not do. And it's such a mind-blowing mistake that you can't seem to wrap your head around it, especially if you're a Saints fan. You had one job. That's, That's the famous quote. You had one job, and he could not do the one freaking job he had to do. And bedlam happens. You feel for the Saints fans. You really, truly feel bad for that team because they were seconds away. It came to the point that Sean Payton was mocking the crowd. He did the skull chant, put his hands together before the game was over. And you know what the saying is, guys? Karma is a bitch. And karma was a bitch for Sean Payton and the Saints. Listen. I still think the Vikings are intriguing because of the fact that they might have home field. But I think the Saints would have made things very interesting as well. I think Saints-Eagles, if we had a... I I think the NFL was hoping for a Breeze versus Brady Super Bowl. Because in terms of quarterbacks, that says the cream of the crop. If you get that, you're golden. Now we're getting either Keenum or Foles in it. And no disrespect to them, they've been okay. But Nick Foles has not been very good. And I think Keenum has been solid, and obviously the play was remarkable, got help from the defense. But Keenum's deserved my respect, and he's deserved your respect as a starting quarterback because he's got the job done, and he's got the targets. He's got Diggs. He's got Rudolph. He's got Murray and McKinnon in the backfield. He's got some guys. He's got some targets that could help him get the job done. But we can see one of two former backup quarterbacks getting to the Super Bowl. And there's nothing Drew Brees could do about that. He's got he's got that defense to blame. And they're going to get the blame for the rest of their lives. Marcus Williams is going to be thinking about that play for the rest of his NFL career, however long it goes. And how about the Vikings being up 17 nothing and a half and the Saints is nothing. Touchdown 17-7, Keenum interception leads to another Saints touchdown 17-14. And you know what? They still prevail at home. I mean, be, imagine being at that game and being a Vikings fan. You're about to go and try and beat the traffic. The only way we get this is a Hail Mary. And of all the dramatic things, they didn't even need to have to worry about Kai Forbath. He got the job done with his 50. Imagine Kai Forbath never made that field goal. 
no miraculous ending happens. If Kai Forbaz misses that 53-yard field goal, the Saints are smooth sailing. They win the game. So Forbath finally gets the job done, and he was almost in a spot if Diggs was tackled out of bounds and the clock still at a second left, where it would have if it was in Foxborough, where one second turned into 100 seconds. They would have been in a spot where they would have had to trust Kyle Forbath. And I think that's an alarming uh, thing to worry about because Kyle Forbath is a very middle-of-the-pack kicker. And I keep talking about you need great kickers to win deep into the playoffs. And that's going to be something interesting to watch. Forbath versus Elliott. And now the Vikings, you go to Philly, you get Nick Foles, who escaped Atlanta as we transition to that game. In my mind, because of some horrific play calling by the Philadelphia, uh, by the Atlanta Falcons, excuse me. And I said with George Rice, you hate to make the drinking joke with Steve Sarkeesian, who's a recovering kind of alcoholic, but you wonder what was in his drink during that game. Because you get to, what was it, the five-yard line. You get within the 10 on first down. They did not run it once. They ran it four times. And they put themselves in an impossible position. And then they do that stupid rollout play on fourth down, which almost never works. Almost never works. And the Falcons had all the chances in the world to win that game. And the Eagles' defense got the job done in the red zone. But just some horrific play calling by Steve Sarkeesian. I mean... Nothing you could do about it. That game was ugly. It was the first of two ugly games of the day. The Patriots-Titans game, we don't even need to talk about because the Patriots took care of business easily. But you feel for the Falcons. I mean, the state of Georgia is just struggling. It's just struggling. And you have the 28-3 collapse in the Super Bowl last year. You have Georgia... Bulldogs football collapsed in the national championship last week. And on top of that, and it was a bad week for Georgia, on top of that, the Falcons get in the red zone, get within the five-yard line, down by five, touchdown wins it, and they have four miserable play calls. Don't run it once with Devontae Freeman and that run game who was lighting up the Eagles' defense, and they lose. Well, the Falcons deserve to lose. That's just embarrassing. Once you're in there, you got to pound it in. Get that in the end zone and seal it. And the Eagles were using timeouts. They're saying, you know what? We're going to play to get this ball back and hope for a field goal and tie this thing if you make the two-point conversion, or we'll hope to the field goal to win it if you don't get the two-point conversion. And the Falcons couldn't even get the damn touchdown to make it interesting. The Steelers made it interesting. The Steelers came back against the Jaguars. But again, and now Todd Haley, the offensive coordinator, is probably gone because of this alone on fourth and goal, getting into the red zone. They do a stupid toss play. To Le'Veon Bell, they throw it backwards on fourth and inches instead of just running it right up the gut. Again. You had one job, and Todd Haley didn't do it. You have Big Ben. The guy's nickname is Big Ben. The ball is essentially over the first down marker. Literally, QB sneak, a Madden special, a fullback dive. If not, worst comes to work. Worst, you give it to Le'Veon Bell, and he'll get it up the middle. Instead, you toss it to Bell. You're five yards behind, and then you got to work magic against the top defense of the league. Just some embarrassing play calling, and that could not have sh- shifted the momentum anymore. I believe the score then was 14-0. This, uh, the Jaggers went on to score a touchdown, 21-0. If the Steelers get that, they scored 14-7, and it's a whole different ball game. They score that touchdown. You know what? The Steelers maybe win that game. They end up losing by three because they get that garbage time touchdown, and then with one second, they didn't even do an onside kick. They did a squib kick. I mean, why not even try an onside kick? You kick it so deep, you give yourself no chance unless they embarrassingly fumble it or take some bizarre bounces. But Steve Sarkeesian and Todd Haley, you guys are dopes of the week. 
poor play calling. And the Jaguars shocked the Steelers in Pittsburgh, 45-42, almost double. It was double the over-under. Nobody saw that coming. And the Steelers just couldn't come back. And that one play call shifted the entire momentum of that game. And they're here. They're here for good. The Jaguars are here. They shocked me. I said on Twitter, zilch, zero chance. They win. They win. And now they're going to Foxborough. And it is not going to be the same situation. Do they have a shot? I'm going to say they do because last week I was wrong by giving them no shot. They they start off fiery and just running it up the gut. Leonard Fournette and Blake Bortles making throws when he needs to. But this is a brand new season. This is Foxborough in January. And we talked with George Reister about it on the show. He's coming up after this segment about trying to win there. He did it twice and they lost with the Jaguars. This is different. This is not a good matchup for the Jags. I think the Patriots are going to win this football game. Blake Bortles 2-0 in the playoffs. Tom Brady 26-9. The Patriots from week 6-17 to have allowed the fewest points per game in the league. And the Patriots are going to force Bortles to throw. They're going to try and keep it out of Fournette's hands early. And if they could just get an early lead, goodbye, Jacksonville. They're going to have to pray for Bortles to complete a whole lot of passes. And that is a recipe for disaster. So I think the Patriots right now are clicking. They're they're dominating, and it's not a good matchup for the Jaguars. I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think the Patriots should win this football game 24-13 and move on as Brady looks for his sixth Super Bowl ring. 24-13 Patriots win. Uh, the Eagles and the Vikings, the Vikings right now, all the momentum on their side. The fact that they're even here is remarkable. They have to come off from that high and go win in Philly, a tough atmosphere. But Nick Foles just hasn't done enough for me to think that he can go and win this game against that Vikings defense. These teams, the last time they played, week 7 of 2016 season, Eagles handed the Vikings their first loss of the season. Remember, the Vikings were 5-0 and and they finished 8-8. Eight and eight. But you got to scrap that game from your memory. It was Sam Bradford versus Carson Wentz in that football game. And the story behind this, Keenum Foles. Both were teammates in 2015 under none other than Rams head coach Jeff Fisher. Keenum went to the Vikings, Foles to the Eagles, and now they're playing each other. Here's the key to this game. The key for the Eagles is if they can dominate the run game and take it out of Nick Foles' hands. That's the key. But doing it against that Vikings front seven is nearly impossible. And Jay Ajayi, since he's got here, since he's got to the Eagles, he's averaging six yards a carry. They're going to need him to carry that rock potentially 25 times and make sure they don't get down early in this game and hope that they can run it that many times where they're not forced to pass with Foles. But Foles just hasn't shown enough to us to make us believe in him, even at home. He just hasn't done it. He wasn't awful last week. He was not awful. We could say that. He had respectable numbers. He was 23 of 30 for 246 yards. His longest pass was 32 yards. He had no touchdowns, and the key was he had no picks. But Case Keenum, man. The legend of Case Keenum. Case Keenum is chasing a check. He's already about to get paid. If he can take this team to the Super Bowl and maybe, who knows, win one at home, he's a hero. 25 of 40, a touchdown and a pick, 318 yards last week. The battle of the backups, and one of them is going to a Super Bowl. One of them could be a home game in the Super Bowl. The other could be the backup to Carson Wentz and take the Eagles to the promised land for the first time ever. The Eagles have never won a Super Bowl, and this is their chance. But the Vikings, man, that defense is hard to stop, and the secondary is playing well. The Eagles are going to lose this game. I'm sorry, but Nick Foles hasn't played well enough. I think this will be a tight one. I think it will be a much better game, as all the NFC games have been than the AFC, than the Patriots-Jaguars. But I think the Eagles are going to have a home Super Bowl this year, and I think that's what they're looking forward to. I think it's going to be tight, pretty low scoring. I'm going to go 20-17. to The Vikings beat the Eagles. 
on Sunday night, which sets up for the Super Bowl that you'd like to see. The home team, the Vikings, taking on Brady and the Pats and Belichick. Will it be their swan song? I think they'll both be back, but who knows if they make another Super Bowl. With the way it's going, they probably will. But Patriots, Vikings, Super Bowl. This is the Jake Brown Show on Radio.com, iTunes, and Spotify. Coming up in a little bit is George Reister. Also coming on the show this week, Thomas Jones, former NFL Pro Bowl running back, will join us. And Len Elmore, college basketball analyst, former NBA big man, former Maryland Terrapin, will join us. And that's an interesting conversation we have with him, more than just the game of college basketball, but talking about NYC and street ball in New York City and LeVar Ball and his kids in Lithuania and how bad of a decision that might have been. Uh, so some good interviews on the show this week. My flick of the week is The Post. I mean, name a more iconic duo, folks, than Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks. I mean, that's the cream of the crop. It doesn't get much better than those two. And uh, the movie is interesting, especially if you're in this industry, because it's about journalism and it's about the Pentagon Papers and the potential of a paper getting shut down for kind of leaking these documents. And it, uh, it turned out to be a happy ending. But... Definitely worth a see because the fact that it's Meryl Streep and Tom Hanks as a star, how are you not going to see it? And it's very interesting just what the Washington Post uh, had to do in that situation. Do you publish a story? Do you not? Do you put this out there and risk your risk your chance of maybe going to even jail or not? And the trials and tribulations of that and deadlines. Really cool movie with two just, I mean, legendary actors, actresses in Streep. Hanks, Street Hanks 2020. So go see The Post. That is my flick of the week. Um, some other minor news before we get to some non-sports stuff. Pat Shermer, expected to become the Giants head coach. Eh. Vikings offensive coordinator. It's, it's a very eh move. It's like the Mets signing Jay Bruce. You bring back a guy and you're trying to bring back the 2017 team that won 72 games. I like Jay Bruce. I think the price is good, but there's still a lot more to do for the Mets. Shermer. We'll see. I mean, uh, he had two years head coaching experience with the Browns, and he won more games with them than they've won in the last three years. So maybe it works out, but who knows? Um, but that's that. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon was traded from the Giants to the to the Giants from the Pirates. Good trade for the Giants. Didn't have to give up a ton, and now you have him and Evan Longoria. I mean, what an off season the Giants are having. Uh, should Mike Tomlin be fired? Is a debate everyone's having. No. Yeah, we talked about the Reister. There's not a better replacement. It's it's simple as that. Uh, Chris Paul, James Harden, Rockets. They're going to get some form of suspension. A couple of those guys will get suspended. Uh, kind of entering the locker room and starting a fight with the Clippers after they lost to the Clippers. And Mike D'Antoni says Blake Griffin intentionally hit him before. And that is just a disaster. And that was funny to just see on Twitter and people talking about the secret passageway that Chris Paul was going through to get to that locker room. Uh, there's. I'm sure it wasn't that difficult. I'm sure it was not a secret passageway. So that was a funny story. Uh, Aaron Aflalo throwing a punch last night. Interesting story. NBA turning into the UFC overnight. I mean, how about that? The he came out swinging Aaron Aflalo. I remember I saw Ti commenting on the House of Highlights Instagram and kind of say, "Damn, the NBA's for real this year," and then people are loving it. I mean, these are stories, punches being thrown, and people live for this. Baseball, hockey, all these sports dream of things like that happening. The attention that Bryce Harper thing got when he threw the helmet at the pitcher, I mean, these sports live for these moments. So, I mean, look, people are still talking about Aaron Aflalo and the other guy. I I can't even pronounce his name. People love that stuff. All right, some off-the-field stuff before we go. Tide pods. I mean, Pat, what is wrong with people uh, eating Tide pods? Uh, it leads to spike in poison control. Cause the Tide. It's a Tide pod challenge, uh, but this could be potentially deadly for people. I mean, I've heard of crazes and like you hear like stuff with glue and random stuff like that. But t- like eating a Tide pod as a challenge just seems alarming. And then there are the pepper challenges now. A thing now, the red pepper challenge. Yeah, but. The- 
the stuff in that's edible though. Right, it's not edible. Why would you want to put that in your body? It's just that's just crazy. I don't get them. Are people trying to clean out their body? They're hoping a Tide Pod would get them cleaner or something. Yeah, I don't get that. Why would you think like, hey, look, this color stuff. Let's drink it. Like I don't. We What's live in a going strange world. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't strange. explain it. I mean, I don't see it as being something appetizing. There's certain things you eat as a joke, like like a bug or something. People have done that. Um, I don't know, just random things. But, but eating not, a Tide yeah. Pod. No, that's that's just weird. Yeah, and that that sounds like danger. Uh, Donald Trump is is sounds like danger danger always, and even he works in our way in our show. We don't even like politics here. Uh, adult film star Stormy Daniels uh, talked about Trump cheating on Melania. What with this porn star, and oh my goodness, the, the quotes of this are just unreal. Let's take a look first at Stormy Daniels. Let's let's see what what uh, porn star we're looking at here. Trump and Senator had sex four months after Melania gave birth. I mean, does it surprise you that he cheated? I mean, she definitely is a fox. She's definitely a milf, um, but. Uh, Wow. Stormy Daniels' popularity on porn hop sky- skyrockets after Donald Trump affair. Uh, <laughs> you would expect it to. Um, some of the quotes behind this, the sex was textbook generic, she said. I actually don't even know why I did it. But I do remember while we were having sex, I was like, please don't try to pay me. <laughs> I would have just took the check, the cash, but I was there. I'm going to call you. Uh, and Trump said, we have to get you on The Apprentice. Uh so uh, he was, I guess, trying to finagle that for her. Uh, the good thing, I guess, is that it was consensual. With everything going on and with the Aziz and Sorry story, which I'm not even talk about it, I think that was a little bit blown over the top um, with that alleged stuff going on. But there's a new story every day, and you can't believe everyone that you hear. And some of them, when you read behind, like the Aziz one, you're kind of like, hmm, I don't know about that one. Uh, but I'm glad this was at least consensual. I mean, this she said, you know what? She banged Trump, and she, she was admitted to it. Um, so Trump denies the encounter, even though she admits I mean, that obviously happened. Uh, he did not comment on the alleged... $130,000 payment. So this is the one that he paid off to quiet. This was the hush money was Stormy. Interesting. But he said it never happens. And you know, yeah, I mean, no. it definitely happened. And, no. and Stormy, you know, is coming out with this because she knows it's going to be a top headline. And look, it is trending. Uh, so you don't blame her. And now Pornhub searches for her are up the wazoo. No pun intended. Uh, this is the Jake Brown Show, Radio.com. We're all over the place, per usual. Next week, finally, we're hoping to move to the new studio. And I think it'll be more of a normal show. And I, we can have a little bit more fun. Maybe bring the soundboard back. Uh, we're moving to Sophia Bowman from The Voice to next week. We'll do some karaoke with her. We'll have a little bit more creativity and hopefully guess in studio. I'm working on getting Sarah Pribis, one of the hosts of HQ Trivia, in studio for next week. Uh, she is a fine-looking lady as well. Uh, so so she may be coming in. You may have seen her while you play HQ, all the million people that play. You, you Have you been playing HQ? No, I wanted to, and I, I was going to sign you the, app? the app. I was going to get the app and play like that night, and then, what was it, 4 o'clock, yeah. whatever it is. And then I 3 never, and 9. Yeah. 3 and 9, and then I didn't. And I'm going to send you my referral code if you haven't played it, because then I could get an extra life. Okay, send me the code. I do want yeah, to. I want to give it a shot. My code is J Swizzy. Shameless you plug in my HQ. Tri- Again, you you end up winning a couple dollars because so many people win and you split oh, yeah. it. It's so a, we, if it's two thousand dollar prize and fifty people win, you're only winning four dollars. Is it easy to win? No, I mean, it's impossible. You have to get through twelve. It's very hard. But and it, the issue is what I just learned recently. You can only cash out if you're only at twenty or twenty five dollars or more. So if you only win five dollars, you have to win like five times just to even see it, see any of the money. Uh, okay. So that's why 
they're probably not paying anyone almost anything. When they give out the big prize, they pay. But when they do these little prizes, none of these people are able to cash out unless they win multiple times. So unless you're winning $25 or more in one sitting, which is very hard with how popular the game has got, it's not costing them a ton to give away this money because you can't touch the money until you hit a certain amount. So you, so now that I've learned that, it makes me understand things a little bit more. Is it still fun to play? Like, is it worth yeah, playing? Yeah, but it's you very easy not, to lose. It's quick. easy to you know. So you're not going to win anything. If I win, I'm going to win five bucks, and I'm not going to get it anyway. Yeah, well, there was when they do the big prize, like they had a sixteen thousand dollar one, and there were only two winners, so they won eight thousand each. That's when it's amazing. But they're but probably that's so like a hundred thousand people playing. Yeah, no, there's more. There's, there's a million, more, people. million I mean, people. It goes from a million down, and then it, the fact that that night it was like 500,000, 600,000, and went down to those two, and that's crazy that only two won. Usually it's more. Because a lot of times you'll have people in the same room, like a group of 20, and they'll guess different things till one person wins. Right. So it's kind of like unfair when you, when you were the big group, you had a disadvantage because they could guess the wrong answers. Uh, for ones they don't know, and have people guess different answers, and there's going to be people still alive. So that's the way to play, to do it with a big group versus just one person or two. Um, that's the advantage. And if you have Google, that's an advantage at times, but the questions are so quick that it's hard to Google a lot of these. And some of these aren't questions you could just type in something and Google. You could kind of be creative and maybe find something quick, but you have to be laser on it on Google because they only give you 10 seconds They from the start oh. of the reading of the question, and then it's done. It disappears. If you don't answer, you're out. So it goes wow. very quick. So we'll maybe do a little HQ trivia with Sarah next week and ask her some trivia questions and do a spin on that. So more things to come. Again, thanks, everybody, for listening. Coming up next is George Rice, our former Jaguars tight end. Subscribe on iTunes. Go to the podcast section of your iPhone. Rate us five stars. Write a review. And Spotify, just search The Jake Brown Show, and you'll find us there. Stitcher as well, radio.com. Podcast at radio.com. Jake Brown. Thomas Jones tomorrow. Let out more college basketball analyst tomorrow. But coming up next, former Jaguars tight end George Reister previews and talks everything football, but he previews the AFC and NFC championship right here on the Jake Brown Show. Peace, everybody. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. And welcome back to the Jake Brown Show, radio.com, iTunes, and Spotify is where you find us. I cannot believe it. The Jacksonville Jaguars, and I've doubted them all season long, are off to the AFC Championship to face Tom Brady and the New England Patriots. That's right. Blake Bortles is in the AFC Championship. And we had Donovan Darius, the former Jaguar safety, on a couple of weeks ago. And we talked about this guy who joins us now, George Reister, the former Jaguar tight end from 03 to 08. George, uh, good to talk to you again, man. How you doing? Hi, uh, I'm doing well, Jake. How are you, man? Doing well. Just trying to fight the uh, constant weather, climate changes here in New York. I mean, Mother Nature, it is that time of the month every day for Mother Nature in New York because you get snow one day and the next day it's 60 degrees uh, and you think oh, you're out man. in LA. And, and then... And then, too, you guys had a special weather event this year. I saw, saw was it a bomb cyclone? Oh, yeah. I mean, it was, it was a remix to the Baby Bash Cyclone song. That's what it was. <laughs> uh, classic rap song. Uh, and you can catch George on his Facebook show, Unaf- The Unafraid Show. Um, and George, never afraid of voice, a strong opinion. Um, and you were going at it on Twitter a little bit with my guy I was just talking to downstairs, Sean Marash, uh, the producer of the DA show. Um, I don't yeah. remember what what you guys were tweeting about, but there was something. Uh, what was it exactly? I don't remember. Oh, which wait, which which time? It was uh, a couple of days was, ago uh, or last I, week. I, I think it was about the elite quarterbacks. Maybe I don't know. Morass likes to argue with people, so uh, yeah. Well, listen. Everybody wants to call their quarterback elite. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, Matt Ryan's elite. No, he's not. There are like, okay. The definition of the word elite means like special over and above like like a special segment of the crowd, right? Mm-hmm. So there are 32 NFL teams. If you take the top five, if you take five quarterbacks, who there are five quarterbacks in the league right now, 
that can keep you in any game, win any game, despite no defense, despite no running game, despite no offensive line. They literally find a way to do the impossible. And those guys are um, uh, Aaron Rodgers, Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. Drew Brees, Mm -hmm. Russell Wilson, Mm -hmm. and Ben Roethlisberger. Mm -hmm. And out of the 32 quarterbacks, that's 15% of the population. So if your quarterback is in the 25th percentile, don't even talk to me about him being elite. There are no, like there is no elite, no nothing special, next nothing extraordinary about anybody in the 25th or the 30th percentile of anything. Yeah, I don't know if I'd put Maddie there. And uh, in terms of last week and the Eagles, I mean, surely a disaster on his part. Also a disaster. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian. I hate to make a a joke about him drinking because he was a former alcoholic and you can't really joke about that stuff because it's serious. But what is he doing make with his play calling, man, uh, late in that game? I mean, they're at the two or whatever, the five-yard line, not running the ball once, a run game that was oh, that doing was pretty poor. well. I mean, what are oh, they doing? Man. Oh, man, dude, dude, that was poor. That was Mike Tomlin-esque, dude. Mm-hmm. I mean, him and Todd and Todd Haley. But the, the thing that I couldn't – here's the thing about Matt Ryan, though. How many times, right? So Matt Ryan's not a guy who can, like, will you back into a game. Well, I think we can all agree on that. But what is the book on Matt Ryan? Like, what do you hear all the time? Oh, he played good enough to win. What? <laughs> There's no time that you ever say Aaron Rodgers played good enough to win. I mean, like, that's like a cop-out. Like, Ben Roethlisberger never, quote-unquote, plays good enough to win. No, you either win or you don't, <laughs> or, or you give yourself an opportunity to win. Matt Ryan doesn't have that 400-yard game after they're down by 21 points or, and do something heroic. Like, he, he's never an actual hero, and that's what the elite quarterbacks are. You mentioned Todd Haley before, and there's rumors it looks like he's going to be out. Do you think that's the right decision by the Steelers after? Uh, I mean, after that game, well, it is. It, it looks like it's official that he they're not going to bring him back. But I mean, after that, I mean, the what was it? The toss play on fourth and goal. Oh my God, four fourth and inches. Oh, that was horrendous. Uh, do you agree with that decision to get rid of him? Um, yes, but but not just because of that game. Mm-hmm. It's because of what Ben Roethlisberger said after. Uh, he came out and said it yesterday. He said, because people asked him why he didn't check into a quarterback sneak based upon the look that they had on the defensive front. He said, I'm not allowed to check out of plays. What is he, a child in daycare? Like, come on. And he said, he said, I am not allowed to change any call that Todd Haley makes. And I just thought that was absolutely asinine. Mm-hmm. How can you have a – I mean, Ben Roethlisberger is going to the Hall of Fame. For sure. He's a two-time Super Bowl champion, even though they won the first one in spite of him instead of because of him. Mm-hmm. But he's been awesome. He can win every game, just been phenomenal. So that guy can't is not allowed to check out of a play. That means your offensive coordinator has too much ego. And if he's got that much ego, he can never be wrong. And he was dead wrong for that toss play. Oh. It was he was wrong for the toss play. He was wrong for the the pass play on fourth and one. I mean, it was just it was absolutely horrendous in the in the most important timing. Yeah, and I mean that shifted the the momentum of the game. It was fourteen nothing. They turn it over. Jaguar scores twenty one nothing. It could have been fourteen seven, I believe. Uh, it could have been a brand new ball game, and if you oh, if you t- if you run it up the gut with even if you do a fullback fullback dive, my one of my favorite Madden plays on fourth and inches, do one of those. I mean, it's no excuse to throw the ball backwards five yards and hope Le'Veon's going to do all this work and get past uh, the top defense in the league. You just can't expect it. Am, am I the only person though that thought that felt like when the jet when uh, the Steelers got to twenty eight twenty one? And got got the ball back. Didn't you feel like the game was over in the Steelers' favor? Oh yeah, it was over. I, I mean, despite being down seven points, even like, at twenty-one oh, no, nothing, they're actually going to cover. Yeah, even when they were down, I'm like, they're going to fight back. I mean, there's no way it ends like this. Yeah, and yeah. bad and play when, calling when they were down seven in the third quarter mm-hmm. with the ball. Yep. They came out scored after halftime. Got the Jaguars to punt, and then they're across the fifty, and you're like. Oh wow! The Steelers are actually going to cover in this game, despite being down twenty-one mm-hmm. zero, and then they find they find a way to lose. It was just, I mean, and the defense was 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 bad. That onside kick 
why Tomlin was a bad. Mm-hmm. But then you come out and hear these yahoos talking about that they that they're gonna lob, try to lobby or petition um, Art Art Rooney, the uh, owner of the Steelers, the controlling person, to um, fire Mike Tomlin. Mm-hmm. That that's the stupidest thing I've heard this this week. Probably. He's too good a coach, and he, I, I know what's what's happening. They've struggled a bit, but I mean, Mike Tomlin's done so much there, and you just when you have a coach like that, you just you ride with him. You don't you yeah. don't get rid of him. He's um, won forty eight games yeah. in the last four years. That's twelve mm-hmm. wins a year, including their playoff wins. Like nobody's doing that, and and I've I've said it, and I'm putting it in my book. <laughs> because I'm, I'm I'm in the process of write, writing a book as well. Oh, nice. This is going to be one of the chapters. There are two rules to firing a coach. Like I've come up with a foolproof system on whether you need to fire a coach or not. I've never been proven proven wrong. I believe after every season, you have to evaluate a coach. Every season, no matter whether you won the Super Bowl the national championship, or you went defeated, like, oh, and whatever. You didn't win one game. Every coach needs to be evaluated after every season. And you have to ask yourself two questions. Number one, is there a coach out there that we can guaranteed get that's better than the guy we have right now? So if you're Mike Tomlin, who would you fire Mike Tomlin for? There's no one. Besides Bill Belichick. Now that Gruden's off the board, there's no one. I mean, I mean, but 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 even Gruden could be iffy, right? Yeah, it's been a while. So, yeah. so so that's the first one. So you so that answer is no. You cannot guarantee get a better coach. Where where like if you're Tennessee, who fired Mike M- Malarkey, you're like I'm pretty sure we can get a better coach. Although right? that that was a little mysterious, considering they made the playoffs and won a playoff game. There must have been something that we don't know about. Then that's the reason he's gone because he's, they had a great listen, year. He's not he's not sane. Do you understand? Mike Malarkey's not sane. At the point in time after the, the first of all, uh, if the rumors are true that uh, that uh, Marcus Mariota started calling his own plays in the in the uh, Kansas City game, hmm. then you know that's already a problem. If, if your quarterback's got to start calling plays for your offense to get going, but the second re- but the second reason why I say he's not he wasn't fit to be head coach anymore is when he said. Terry Rubisky did a great job with the offense in 2017, and he didn't anticipate making any changes. Hmm. That means that you're crazy. You're absolutely crazy. <laughs> like, your, your, your quarterback regressed. You were scoring 23 points a game in 2016. Mm-hmm. Now you're scoring 20 points a game. You, you went from, uh, in the, like, 11th in total offense to, like, 23rd in total offense. Like, <laughs> you cannot say he did an, a great job. And you got absolutely outcoached. You got it was a mismatch. Like it, the Titans ownership had no choice. Mm-hmm. Like he, he was, he he showed that he wasn't sane. And the fact that that you didn't feel and you feel like, okay, there has to be a better coach in terms of what we can get right right now. So that's the first rule of coaching. And the second rule of coaching is is um. Is is there a loss of hope? Is is can this dude walk into the locker room if it's the pros walking to a um, a free agent dinner or in college walk into a kid's house and sell them on the future is brighter than the past? Whether you won a national championship or you went defeated, the point in time where you stop being able to sell hope, you got to make a change. And Mike Tomlin can still sell hope. Mike, Mike mm-hmm. Malarkey couldn't tell Hope anymore. Yeah, and I think the players truly respect Mike Tomlin versus some other coaches, a la Ben McAdoo, uh, who I think a lot of players lost respect for in the locker room. And a lot of these coordinators should take over. And now Pat Shermer likely to take over. Not sure. How do you think that's going to pan out for the Giants? Was that was that the right hiring for them? Uh, I, it, it, it's always, honestly, it's always a wait and see. Because Pat, Pat, Pat Shermer, he was the Vikings uh, coordinator, correct? Yeah. Yeah, so 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 you generally know what you're getting. So Mike Mike Zimmer was the defensive coordinator in uh, with the Bengals, and he took a fabulous defense with the Bengals and then turned it into a fabulous defense with the Vikings. So what makes so? And now you have Shermer, who was the head of 
that defense. In logic says he should be able to, at worst, make the Giants a good defense. Well, he Shermer's the offense was the offensive oh, coordinator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, well, it was the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, so 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 I would say that Shermer, he was able to uh, make the Vikings a respectable offense. Like he's got uh, and without an elite quarterback, so he's able to make Case Keenum, who from 2012 to 2016 looked like a fringe NFL player, not 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 just a fringe NFL starter, but a fringe NFL quarterback. Mm-hmm. Made him look like, okay, hold up, there might be something to this. Made Bridge Bridgewater look good. Made um Sam Bradford look good. So he took two dudes out of in Bradford and Case Keenum, took him out of the scratch and dent bin and made him look good. And he's able to run run the football. That Dalvin Cook goes down, no problem. Latavius Murray and McKinnon are doing doing well. I mean, so so you know, I I, I think that it'll work. And, I, and, and I, he and coached I'm the a, Browns for two years, George, and he had nine wins in those two seasons, which is more than the Browns have had in the last three seasons combined. See, exactly. He's a, he's a miracle <laughs> worker. He, he can turn water into wine if you can make Cleveland win win games. Yeah, and I, I mean, uh, he, he's been mostly an offensive coordinator throughout his career. The Rams, the the Eagles, uh, the Vikings, the most recent. Um, but he did have those two years of head coaching. And it, you put him two years with the Browns is, is putting him two years in a volcano. I mean, you got to see him here with the I Giants. Mean, Bill, who, Bill who we're going to spend. Failed with, with, Bill Belichick failed with Nick Saban as his defensive coordinator with the Browns. Yeah. So, so you have to take any Browns news with, like, a grain of salt. That's two, and, two goats on the same sideline, by the way. Yeah. And I am all in on giving um, coordinators, head coaching jobs, and all that. I'm not with the recycling of head coaches very much because mm-hmm. because there are so many young, talented coordinators or even old, talented coordinators who haven't gotten a proper shot. And you keep re- recycling for, for so long. How many times did, did, did we see the uh, – the Marty Schottenheimers rehired mm-hmm. and whoever, and and a guy like um, uh, um, Jeff Jeff Fisher. Oh gosh! If Jeff Fisher gets a head coaching job, I might boycott. The, I might boycott <laughs> their 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 team. I might lead a coup. Yeah, I mean uh, a, a Clay Travis like who like like he did with Tennessee, and I have no emotional investment to them. And and they'll be guaranteed wherever he goes to go seven and nine or worse because he's the king of seven and nine. But of course, he is responsible for the Rams' success, as he said. He said they he shaped this team uh, to who they are. And when you look at that, the two guys starting against each other in the NFC Championship were quarterbacks under none other than Jeff Fisher, Case Keenum, and oh, Nick yeah. Foles with the Rams. Yeah. I mean, that yeah, yeah. that Jeff exactly. Fisher loves that. He, he he shaped them. So yeah. so so you're telling me that then then if that if if that's the case, so you're going to tell me that Jared Goff. Case Keenum and um, Nick Foles and Nick Foles all looked like they sucked when you were the coach. So <laughs> he so, got them going in the right direction. Gave them a pat on the back, and now everything's all grand. Man, get out of <laughs> get out of here. So, oh, actually, actually, if if uh, that's the case, then he doesn't need to be a head coach. He needs to be a consultant. Yeah, I don't, he, I don't think he'll get another head coaching job. That would shock not. me. Uh, I don't I think mean, anyone I, wants to see I don't see want to, to, to wish bad on anybody's future and mm-hmm. career. It's more about other people having opportunities than not wanting him to have an opportunity. Yeah, it's not wishing bad. He'll be fine. He's got money yeah. and he'll find something. There's certain people yeah. you can feel yeah. wish bad upon and you know they'll be okay. And then there's others you're just a, a dick. Yeah. yeah. He, he, he should be a consultant, a, uh, <laughs> a, a pat on the back guy. Yeah, there you who, go. Uh, he'll, he'll get you in proper position, I guess. George Reister joining us. Follow him on Twitter at George Reister and check out the Unafraid Show. Played with the Jaguars from 03 to 08. Let's preview this game, George. Uh, the Jaguars, again, somewhat of a heavy underdog. The Patriots are eight and a half point favorites. Tom Brady, twenty six and nine in the playoffs. Blake Bortles, two and zero. Look at that, as you will. Um, the Patriots have allowed the fewest points per game in the NFL from week six to seventeen. Uh, the Pats here, George, are going to want Bortles to throw and keep it out of Leonard Fournette's hands. Uh, how do you see this game playing out? 
the Jaguars defense has a huge responsibility. Mm -hmm. They have to find a way to get Tom Brady to kick field goals or, or Guskowski to kick field goals. Like they have to find a way to, to stop their offense and, and, you know, which is a difficult task. However, we have seen it done in the playoffs before. When you get pressure on Tom Brady, he stinks, just like every other quarterback in the league. If you get too much, except for Aaron Rodgers, mm-hmm. if you get pressure, pressure on him, they're awful. And so, if you, so you have to get pressure on Tom Brady, and their front has the ability to do it. But if you notice, last week, um, Gronkowski didn't have a huge impact on the game. And, the, and, and people are saying, should they put Jalen Ramsey on him and all that? No, don't put Jalen Ramsey on him because of what the, the Patriots did last week was. They were facing an elite pass rush or a potential elite pass rush with the uh, Titans. So what they did is, is um, they, put their, they put their back and Rob Gronkowski on the, on the edge – of the um, of of the tackles of like a number of times in the game in in passing situations, and they would chip the defensive ends. That means that they hit the defensive ends before they go run run a route. So it doesn't allow them to get vertical and do too much that are working in short areas. And you don't want to waste Jalen Ramsey on that if that's what they're doing. So so the the Jaguars' offense has I mean defense has to get pressure on Tom Brady. And then their offense has to be able to run the football and not only run the football, but run the football and score points. And Blake Bortles has to continue to not be Blake Bortles from last year. He's got to be Blake Bortles from two years ago, the, uh, the uh, 35 touchdown guy. He can't be the, he can't be the, uh, the, the Blake Bortles from, from last year. He's got to protect the football, and he's got to just be efficient He's got to be, he's got to be Alex Smith to win. Like he de- doesn't have to be Tom Brady to win. He's just got to be Alex Smith to win. And George, I think that's what makes it difficult for the Jaguars to win. They can't solely rely on a defensive touchdown that they've been getting and their defense to really be elite to win this game. They have to have good quarterback play. You can't have Leonard Fournette in the defense beat the Patriots in New England. You know how it is. You guys lost twice in the playoffs yeah. in New England. You, you've experienced it twice. It's heartbreak. Uh, this, the second time, you guys came, were coming off an electric win over the Steelers on the road and then kept it close versus the Patriots. But you know how it is. January in Foxborough is a different animal. Well, and the main thing the Patriots do well, they do two things really well. They, they self-scout so they know what they do. Right, so they know all the things that they've done, and they recognize their tendencies. Whoever does their stats and analytics and all this stuff for them does a phenomenal job, because they they self scout. They know what they've done, so they know what you think that they are going to do because they've done it all year. And then they come out and do something else in that same situation, and they do a great job of scouting you, <laughs> so mm-hmm. they know what it is that that you do. And I, and I say that to say when uh, one of the years when we played up in Foxborough, I remember we, we used to run this, this play. I forget what, what it was called on third down. And I told the coaches, I said, Coach, I told our office coordinator, I think it was Dirk Cutter at the time. I said, Dirk, we keep running this play on third, third down. This is in the week leading up to practice. I said, let's for the playoffs, let's, let's flip it over. Like the exact same play, just flip it over the the other way. So because it was a two by two set, so two, and so I said instead of running it this, this way, let's just run it the other way because we've run it this way probably forty like well like thirty times this season, thirty forty times this year. He says to me, "No man, we got it. I know what I'm doing." Blah blah blah. What happens the first time we call that play? Asante Samuel pick six, bro. Hmm. And I and then I did, I remember being over there. I just kind of glanced glanced at him like, huh? <laughs> hmm. We did, I didn't see that one coming. But yeah. Can yeah. you can you speak to that? Just trying to win there and just uh, you're going up against the greatest quarterback, the greatest coach, and in an electric environment. Uh, this oh, isn't sure. easy for a young Jaguars team. Very young team. The best thing the Jaguars have going for them is that they are 
young and dumb. Like they're not like, and and I don't mean in a bad way. I mean like they don't have a whole lot of NFL experience, so they don't understand how difficult it is to do what they're trying to do, and they don't even care because when you go up to Foxborough, you are swimming with jaws. Mm-hmm. You you are playing against Belichick, who is such a great coach. You're playing against Brady, and then if you notice. I can't be the only one that notices this. It just seems like the Patriots get a lot of breaks from from, from the referees. Every week, same yep. thing. It's so, unbelievable. So you're so you're playing against the refs, and then you're playing playing against the little sneaky stuff that the Patriots do. Like mm. like uh, I know you've heard about uh, coaches getting stuck in elevators. Mm-hmm. They have they'll melt. They used to melt one side of the field with the coils under underneath. They have. You know, like the balls. Been a bunch of, they they spied on people. They've all this. So not only do you have to contend against Belichick, Brady, and the refs, but then you gotta be beware of. Uh, oh, oh, and the best thing they do, the best thing they do most often is quarterbacks' headsets often go out. Of course, yep. and it's just like, dude, it's. I mean, and the last time it happened that it got publicly talked about was Mike Tomlin on opening night. I think it was two years ago. Mm-hmm. And you're sitting there like, come on, man. This is it was 2016 at the time. And you're sitting there like, no, there's no reason why why analog headsets should be going out. Like there is no, like there is no reason that that should should be happening. And it's not like uh, Foxborough is the Bermuda Triangle, man. Mm-hmm. Like this is so you have to know that there is some some purpose to it, just like the clock. That mysteriously oh, didn't start. The longest one second in football history. I mean, how does that it happen? It didn't even start on time. Oh. It didn't start or end on time. Oh, my God. And that's what makes it frustrating. The Patriots find ways to cheat, and then the refs are like, all right, we're going to help you cheat even more by making these terrible calls. Oh, the clock operator must have took a nap. I mean, it's <laughs> it's something new uh, every week. George, before we let you go, prediction time. Uh, first off, Jaguars, Patriots, who wins, what's the score, and then uh, Eagles, Vikings. Um, I didn't think I was as emotionally invested in the Jaguars winning as I as You got to be. It's your squad. Because yeah, because of that and then also I'm emotionally invested because ah, I I I think that J Jalen Ramsey is a national treasure right now and I want to hold <laughs> him dear and I want him to come true in his prediction. I want to see a whole week of Super Bowl interviews with with him. Um, but they they're double digit underdogs and the Patriots always cover. So mm-hmm. I am going with the Patriots to lose. I'm going with Jacksonville to shock the world, man. They are going to win on a last-second field goal. So what is it, like um, 31-28 or something? Oh, my God. I don't know if they can Not score. Not that many. Yeah. I don't know if they can score 30, 31 points. I'm going to go 28-25. I think that was a prediction from the heart more than what's actually going to happen. And I don't blame you. I mean, if, if my team or if I played for a team, I'd be rooting for them too. And – you know what? This wouldn't be. I mean, it shocked me that they beat the Steelers, um, but at this point, the Jaguars are, are playing with house money that exactly. anything could kind of happen. Why can't it happen? Exactly. Yeah. Because why I not? They were going to lose to the Steelers, yeah. and now I'm saying, why not? Yeah, exactly. What happens to the NFC? The 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 NFC. I think that the Eagles just seem like a team of destiny hmm. right now, and you know, and. Uh, and the uh, Vikings, they expired their rabbit's foot already. They, they've already called in their uh, their uh, one wish. They had to set. They had to sell their soul to get that to happen <laughs> on yeah. Sunday. Yeah. But um, so you're yeah, going with the I, Eagles. I, I I just think that the I think that their defense is good enough, and the Vikings' offense is not explosive enough to where we're going to see the same type of game that we saw in Philadelphia. Last last week, it's going to be a grinded out, not going to be super high scoring, which lends itself to Nick Foles not having to be spectacular. Where Nick Foles can just you know be okay, and they can win. Where where he can be the game manager, the Alex Smith, and and win. 
And if your prediction, George, comes true, uh, if it's Jaguars-Eagles, it will be renamed the Timberlake Bowl because no one will be watching for the game. The ratings will be terrible if it's Jaguars-Eagles, and everyone will be watching the halftime show, and that's about it, especially people who aren't football or sports fans. No, no, man. No. People will watch, but they won't care as much. If it's Patriots-Vikings, that's the ideal matchup the NFL wants. Are you kidding me? No, this is the worst matchup if it's Eagles-Jaguars, I think. No, it's not. Eagles, I'm sorry, Vikings-Jaguars is the worst matchup. No, the Vikings have home field. That's a thing. That's why. Oh, yeah, true. So the but home field no, aspect. No, 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 no. I mean, but the thing is, nobody's still going to watch. I'm talking about, obviously, the people in Minnesota will care. But I think that makes for a good storyline in terms of the first team ever in football history to have home field. I think people are intrigued by that, and I think oh, people so root for that. So, so then they will want to see. But if you're if, seeing Nick if, Foles if versus Blake Bortles, I mean, you might as well watch Poop versus Diarrhea. I mean, that's essentially <laughs> what you're watching. <laughs> so yeah, we'll see. It's going to be interesting. Two good matchups. Uh, let's see if the Jaguars shock the world. George Reister, follow him on Twitter at George Reister and check out the Unafraid Show on Facebook. George, uh, always good talking to you, man. Appreciate it. Yeah, great talking to you too, Jake. All right, man. Take care. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.